2: Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
1: Yes, yes. After yesterday's technological wizardry, I thought it would be in the best interest of baseball to come back like Jordan wearing the 4-5. And therefore, I am inside the 101 ESPN studios in Creve Corps. Oh my God, I've never heard a response like that. What's Matt like Rocchio is clapping by hitting his glutes. Yeah. Shorty in the back says so she working on her glutes. Uh, what are you you, just, are you, boy, you The way you watched Matt Rocchio walk out the door, it's like we were at Harry's in 2002 and you're fresh off a divorce.
0: No, no, I was. <laughs> uh, no, I was. Uh, I think in the lyric you just said, and I think it was uh, sicko mode. By That's to correct. Yes.
1: Yeah. Many times referenced on Munganass Balloon Party here yeah. on 101 ESPN, your favorite lyrics from sicko mode. Send them in. 314-399-9646. Uh, uh, that is the Air Comfort Service text line. Uh, Chris Kerber is going to join us on the program today. I will not be in tomorrow. My much-discussed colonoscopy is uh, tomorrow. Jackson, you don't have one for like 20 years, so there you go.
0: Yeah, no, I don't. um, But, uh, yeah, if if you're out there, go get one.
1: my God. Hey. If you're listening to the show, go get a colonoscopy. If you're listening to the show. You're operating on the premise, then, that the audience is 45 and older. That's the premise that you're operating on. I don't think that's fair. I think you're all young and spry.
0: Right, and working on your glutes. No, yeah. uh, I think if you're over the age of 45 and you haven't got one yet, you should get one. All right, look at you. Just yeah, a little medical counsel. Today. After Chadwick Boseman a couple of years ago, you know, I think people got a yeah. lot more aware of it and being like, oh, like you can be healthy and and still have issues. So, I think, uh, you know, in that tragedy, we people might have learned a lesson.
1: Uh, Tim, good luck with your butt chug.
0: Yep. Yeah, you got that to look forward to. Don't you? Starting
1: at four o'clock today, Jackson.
0: Yeah. Oof. Guess
1: we'll go Instagram live.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could sell tickets just to that, just to the think. preamble of it. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be probably fun.
1: Play some mic drops, you little twerp. I think that's from Steve Wood, but since yeah, the numbers is. aren't that saved is. here on 101 ESPN, like there on TMA, are there mic drops? I don't know. All I know is Chris Kerber at 1015, and I know we have the Little Piddles Sports Business
0: newsletter. <laughs> newsletter.
1: Yeah. I know we have, uh, we have the Missouri-Mississippi State showdown. This is huge for you. Yeah. You're emotionally leveraged by this.
0: Yeah, I mean, this...
1: If they lose tonight... Oh, oh.
0: man. I'm just glad it's a 6 o'clock tip. I'm so done with the 8 o'clock tips. No more. I don't want any more 8 o'clock tips. Okay. Uh, Hey, hey,
1: Tim, aren't you supposed to be doing a cleansing? I am starting at 4 o'clock.
0: That is correct. I can
1: confirm that.
0: And that's when you'll settle in. Uh,
1: got get to holding these miserable local clubs accountable the only team trying is the battle hawks that's Merle from Oakville
0: everyone else isn't trying that's what
1: what Merle that's Merle from Oakville's perspective what are you doing did you just get emotional You're like really. John Boehner delivering a speech <laughs> that suddenly. I
0: really, really hurt me. I got some indigestion there for a second. And <laughs> I looked over. I go,
1: Jackson's choked up.
0: I was like, by Merle
1: from Oakville, holding, holding the local clubs accountable. Yeah, I love. I said this yesterday at balloon party. I love that people are on board with the Blues selling. Yeah, it makes me go, okay. This is an intelligent fan base. Right. I yeah. really do. I'm a big fan, and it's not. It's not like it's easy, but it, it's got to be done. And it's a motion. These are the guys who will be cheered every time they have a 2019 reunion. In 2029, they will play Gloria, and number 91 and number 90 will walk back out onto that ice to uproarious cheers. But in the moment, unfortunately, it's business. And therefore, people understand that in the best interest of the team is to say goodbye. Sometimes saying goodbye is tough. Oh yeah. But let's be grateful for the times we had together.
0: Don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. Oh my God! Yeah. Now you're getting choked up. (laughs) I
1: am. Uh, Let's see. Is diaper boy (laughs) still upset? over learning that there are 31 days in October or is he ready to issue an apology for his outburst? That's what? from the 573. I don't know what that means. I believe based on the video from Jamaica in which you were wearing a yellow diaper before leaping into yeah, uh, the Caribbean Sea uh, that that's directed toward you, I've I've been pretty confident on the number of days in October going back a while now. I didn't know that this was something that you came on the show and didn't had like a take.
0: Halloween is October 31st, so in lies how I know that there's 31 days.
1: But apparently at some point that... on this show, you had been adamant that October <laughs> did not have 31 days,
0: and it'd be nice if you apologized. Was that like a text that like didn't go through and is now just going through five months later? I, I don't understand the text, so I'm not going to apologize for something I don't believe I ever said.
1: Uh, guys, my Carolina Hurricanes are in town, and I will be at the game. I hate to say it, but this is a bad time for the Blues to play the Hurricanes. It's getting ready to be a shellacking. That is from the 9-8-0. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I, think, I think most Blues fans kind of understand the sentence that is the final six weeks of the season. Yeah. So, I don't think too many Blues fans are expecting magic. This evening, let's see what Las Vegas is expecting. What do you think the hurricanes are?
0: Minus 210.
1: Uh, it's in Carolina for the record. Uh, minus 345. Oh, wow. You don't see a whole lot of non-2022 Colorado avalanche lines that high. That is nasty. Minus 345. <laughs> well, I say that and then I scroll down and I am corrected. Sweet Mother of Mercy, the Tampa Bay Lightning are minus five thirty to beat the Ducks tonight. Ah, uh, that's what like in the world.
0: That's like if Mizzou played Abilene Christian. That's what Mizzou would be. Mizzou would be minus five thirty. What in the world? That's unbelievable. Pro sports in general, that number being that high is insane. Insanity. Any pro sport.
1: The Connor McDavid Clinic is minus three uh, thirty-five tonight against the Flyers in uh, Edmonton. Well, I kind of want we to got take some big down. numbers. And okay. then and then the Devils, boy, this is this is uh this is like my head schedule tonight. Very lopsided tilts. We have the Devils minus three sixty against Labitan, well, So we can parlay those you know what I'm gonna enter that in in the commercial break and what that would pay, just those four money lines. Yeah. And we're gonna use a hundred dollars as a round number. I know that's yeah. A rounding error for you, sure. but just to get an idea of what a hundred dollar bet on those four monster favorites would play straight money line, no spread, if they were to hit, what do you think it would pay?
0: Hundred bucks, you probably getting paid twelve hundred, maybe a little more. Oh, parlay it? Yeah, oh, parlay it. Oh god, uh, I don't know. Because they're such heavy
1: favorites, but it's still a four game parlay.
0: Ten grand? No, man, no way.
1: If you want to do that, though, I'll bet you $100 on that four-game parlay. If you want to give me, I'll give you a deal. We'll do nine grand. i just give you 10% off. No. God, do they teach math at Horton Watkins?
0: I struggle sometimes when you get into parlays. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Because I, I don't well, they're know.
1: usually super positive EV.
0: Right. That's because I do them so often. That's why.
1: Yeah, I got to figure that out. Uh, Tim, I think the Habs are a good play. It's from the 636.
0: I mean, just taking like all four of the dogs straight up. If one of them hits, you're going to probably get paid off.
1: It's a profitable strategy if two hit.
0: Right. You
1: one mean, hits and you would still be down some money, most likely, unless it were that Ducks, that right. plus 530. Right. Holy crap. I haven't seen a plus 530 in a professional sports.
0: I can't even think of one example. I mean,
1: it, maybe it happens in baseball when you have a you know, starting pitcher who's absolutely going off.
0: I feel like, yeah, I guess that situation. I, mean, I know
1: the Ducks are grotesque, but right. my God, plus 530.
0: 530.
3: Uh,
1: all right, we will uh, talk it over with Chris Kerber, see what he thinks of the parlay. He's going to join us next. Then we have the Little Piddle Sports Business. Newsletter?
2: Shoot him up. Newsletter. Oh, newsletter. newsletter. Yeah, Thank you. Newsletter.
1: Uh, that is coming up following Chris Kerber. You are welcome to get involved in the show. Uh, if, let's see what we got here. 314 or mic drops that are apparently being left and not played on the show. That's, that's the conclusion I've come to. Uh, so I'll leave them via the 101 ESPN app. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganest, St. Louis Acura on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
1: All right, Jackson and I were doing some math in the uh, commercial break here. If you were to bet the five big underdogs tonight and put $100 on it. That's it. Five big underdogs this evening for the record being the Ducks plus 425, Canadiens against the Devils plus 290, Blues against the Hurricanes plus 290, uh Blackhawks against VGK plus 240, and the Flyers against the Oilers plus 260. $100 would pay you 98 if they were to all win. $98,000! Unbelievable. Now, on the other side of the coin, if you were to bet all favorites and parlay it, $100 would win you $228. And there is our delta. It's
0: a fun sweat.
1: There is our delta for a five-game parlay. (laughs) Sweet mother of mercy. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us right now to talk it over is Chris Kerber. Morning, Kerbs.
3: Tim, we have. Uh, so I love those kind of bets. I think they're fun. To me, that's kind of betting. I don't know. I'd do the hundred bucks, but I might do like the twenty, and that's okay. I'll take. I'll take one fifth. I'll, I'll take the twenty grand instead of the hundred. But the uh, we went out to Vegas one time, and a group of us put like a six game parlay together, you know. And then of course, you know, not not on the Blues game, but some of the other games in the league and. One of them, we were, it was a day game, and we were flying home. One game went into a shootout, and we won it. We needed this last game. By the time we landed, it got home. We were home to watch the shootout. Oh, wow. And basically, a hundred, $100 bet ended up paying out something like about $4,400. Oh, know? my word. And there were like six of us that chipped in 10 bucks each just to have some fun with it. Like, it was fantastic. But those are fun. Holy
1: crap! Party bet. Yeah, I, so I, so I kind fun. of agree on this this five team underdog thing. First off, you're betting on the Blues tonight, but then also twenty bucks, twenty grand.
0: <laughs> yeah,
3: nice little turn oh, of events. And have some, hell, have some fun with it. Yeah, you know. That's, I, that's, all that's right, I point. think I'm going to go do it. That's the point of the betting and the entertainment too that people have to, you know, I know all the ads say that, but 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 it really is true. Like, I mean, I know there are some that take it seriously and fun, but but for me, it's sort of like well. Could I have fun with a bet like that, or do I go to a movie? And I think I'd rather have fun with a bet like that. I
1: agree with you. Yeah. I mean, I could have a night's worth of a monster sweat if this thing uh, if this thing hits. I'm going to do it. All right, Jackson, we're going to do it. All right, there we go. Chris Carver with us here, joining us every Tuesday on Balloon Party. It's our uh, first chance to talk it over since the Ryan O'Reilly trade. Talked with Jeremy Rutherford yesterday, and he said, he said it was almost unanimous, as a matter of fact, because he couldn't think of one negative email or tweet he had received, which really surprised me that the fan base with which he communicated it's not like they're like good O'Reilly's gone but they understand and therefore are on board um what are your thoughts on what has transpired and
3: uh in the reaction of the fan base uh I you know I haven't had a ton of interaction with the fan base but I do believe that that is the case um you know I, I think there is an understanding but I'll tell you another aspect of this and you know, I, I realize that, you know, social media hasn't been around all that long. Okay, so it's very different. The social media posts that I have seen from fans, from people about, you know, just like the the thank you, Ryan, the pictures with Ryan O'Reilly, that this guy was just like, it was so overwhelmingly, genuinely positive and feel good. I'm, I was just trying to think, like, I haven't, I don't remember seeing something quite like that before. and And obviously it's, it's not fair to compare another era, you know, like he, I'm, I'm sure it would have been quite like that when, when Chaser, you know, left right for Hartford. And right. but social media wasn't around. Right. Um, but but that's that's what's jumping off the page to me. Here's even now I'm still seeing posts, you know, and and from some that met him, some that didn't. It, it's really quite it speaks volumes to the type of person he was and the impact he had. And, and, yeah, okay, the, the Stanley Cup champion accounts might sell. All that's a, a, a critical part of it. But th- this is just more about the type of person. And, look, the team was on – that team lost. Ryan O'Reillys went out and, and met with the media. And he'd tell people, no, I'll meet with the media, I'll meet with the media. Okay? All right? I know it was put out there that, you know, Vladimir Tarasenko was upset that he didn't – you know, that he wasn't uh, considered more for the captain spot, you know, when when O'Reilly got it. But Vladimir Tarasenko wasn't the guy that would stand up and, and go say, I'm talking to the media, right, right. Um, and things. So, you know, for me, the loss of Ryan O'Reilly is much harder felt in this room than the loss of Vladimir Tarasenko, I think because of some of that leadership quality that he brought. But I do agree with you. I do believe that, for the most part, this fan base uh, is understanding. They, they, look, they know from whether it's Cardinals, Blues, whatever, unrestricted free agencies – that, that makes a difference, you know, and, and, and how it goes. And it's an interesting time, Tim, because you have to decide do you resign sign 30-31. Like I just talked to him. here's a great example. I literally just minutes ago finished about a 10-minute conversation with Paul Stastny who's playing here mm-hmm. in Carolina. Okay? And Paul was saying, he goes, no, the team we have here is a lot like our teams that were winning in St. Louis. He goes, we're deep. He goes, but we've got that great group of guys between like 26 and 30. And, and he mentioned that age group. Well, that's where, you know, that's where Doug Armstrong has said, no, look, if he's going to make a trade for a hockey player right now rather than a draft pick, he wants a player in that 25, 26 range with some term on his contract. And it, it kind of fits what Doug Armstrong said and what Paul Sasse said they have here in terms of a formula that is a winning formula now in the NHL.
1: Yeah, it is amazing. that is It is the target at this moment, and that's exactly what Doug Armstrong said in his comments on Saturday morning before the Blues uh, took on the avalanche. Uh, and, you, and you you said it at the outset of your comments there, Curbs, that at this moment, the Blues are in this transitional period, and he said it himself, that you know we're going to know a lot more about the direction we're going to go uh, when August rolls around. I think we're going to yeah. have a better idea also... Uh, by the time March 3rd rolls around, because perhaps uh, somebody will come knocking on the door for somebody who's not an unrestricted free agent, not somebody who we've been talking about for a few months as a possible trade candidate. Uh, names starting to get floated out there of interest in, in Colton Pareko. Fans then opine on the direction it would go. The Blues are in a weird spot, though, because you have a bunch of dollars committed. You've just committed to Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, plus you have some money in that, that defensive core, and Jordan Bennington, So it's not like it's going to be easy to turn the page. Um, But then at the same time, one might say, well, then it might not be as tough to get back to a spot where you are competing in the Western Conference. How do you analyze what direction they could go and and will go?
3: Well, let me take this from a a couple of angles, if you don't mind. Please. Um, First one is this. I compare what the Blues are going through now to 2005-2006. You're covering the team on the TV side, mm-hmm. and and like and 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 you started to see it with with the retirement of Al McKinnis, the trade of Pronger, okay, and you know and 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 you know Keith Kachuk is at the end of his career. You've traded Doug Weight, you know all all that scenario, okay. When the Blues went to dead last in the league in 05-06, the cupboard was bare. There weren't prospects. The roster didn't have anything really going at that point in time. I mean, it was a team that you could tell was going to be. in in a struggle, and they go to last in the league. So when they started drafting Eric Johnson, uh, that's when you started to rebuild the draft picks, and you traded Keith Kachuk, you traded Doug Waite, you used the draft pick of Bill Guerin to get David Perron. You ended up with three draft picks, for example, in 07. Last time the Blues have had three first-round draft picks. Um, But the key to success for the Blues there was Jarmo Kekalain was an absolute magician, picking David Perron, T.J. Oshie, Patrick Berglund, all in the 20s. Right? Yeah. Uh, not not top 10, all in the 20s. I mean, it's amazing. You've heard me say this stat till I'm blue in the face. Rod Brindamore is out here for the Carolina Hurricanes. That's the last forward the Blues took with a top 10 pick in the draft. Uh-huh. It was Rod Brindamore. They've only had five top 10 picks. The Ottawa team we played yesterday, right, had has had six top 10 picks in the last 11 years, right? Mm-hmm. Blues have only had five since 1989 because they've been a good competitive team. The difference between 05, 06 and now, to me, is the fact that the cupboard isn't bare, the roster isn't bare. Like you said, you still have Thomas, you have Kyrie, you've got point per game players locked in with skill. You have Butch Navich, you still have Saad for a couple more years. You have Braden Chen for five more years, who very likely could end up being your next captain, right? Mm-hmm. You've got so so. Look at that from a forward standpoint. The defense, if you, they don't make a move, and at some point I got to think they do because I don't think they're happy with the way this is gel. But the defense is set. I mean, if you can't move one of those contracts and you've got pretty damn good experience on the defensive side, you've got a Stanley Cup winning goaltender in Jordan Binnington. On top of that, you've got Jimmy Snuggerud, who, who I was told was the second or third best forward just now in the, in the World Junior Championships. that just happened. Uh, you, you've got Zach Bolduc, right? And now you've got three first round draft picks you can either use for players or you, can, or you trade for somebody, but you've got equity that you didn't have. It's a totally different scenario than oh five oh six. So the key is, to wrap this up in a bowl for you, like, like Doug Armstrong said, we've got a group of season ticket holders here uh, that travel down that cheering as the Blues come on for warm-ups today. Um, the, the, the key is, is what does Doug do? And even he told us, he goes, look, we don't know. I don't know what this scenario is going to be just yet. Uh, because, for example, let me throw you a pie-in-the-sky scenario. Mm-hmm. Timo Meyer, the San Jose Sharks want to trade Timo Meyer. Mm-hmm. He's a restricted free agent you want to sign him, you want to make him an offer sheet, you're going to have to make an offer sheet of $10 million because while his cap is low, his salary is high, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of thought going around. Well, the Blues actually, he's, a, he's an RFA. The Blues actually have capital to be in the, in in, in on the on the chance at, at a Timo Meyer. They have prospects. They have draft picks. Yeah. And that could be a player that instead of waiting four or five years for a draft pick to make it to the NHL, that's a player that is a star right now. So – put all that together I think it's a much different scenario but a critical stretch of decision making time for Doug Armstrong because if you do make a couple of mistakes in those decisions then it really sets you back but I think the Blues are poised for um, for I I'd say a, a much quicker retool than some of these other teams have done great summary of the situation away, I apologize for that but that's that's kind of a way of looking
1: no at it. I, I enjoyed it you, you tended to, you t- you tended to the question sir uh, it is uh I, I, I listen if I have my choice I'll take Stanley Cup playoff hockey just like anybody else listening right now blues fan or otherwise uh, but the the business side of it and how the blues negotiate this set of circumstances uh, and how Doug Armstrong threads the needle with the draft capital uh, is going to be truly fascinating to watch and like you said it is well, okay, different than me, what 17 years say, ago.
3: Yeah, sorry, let me, let me jump in with this one. I'm gonna, here's, here's the difference, and this is something that I know, like, Blues fans, are, you know, and they say, well, Doug Armstrong, you know, some good moves, some bad, whatever it may be, all right? Here's the difference in an experienced general manager that's going to be able to pull you through this. One, he knows exactly what this organization has. They've got an inexperienced general manager in Chicago that had two of the biggest assets from the beginning of the year on. Now, they totally controlled their own destiny, so it's not a complete Ryan O'Reilly situation, okay? But they had Caves and Kane right? Mm-hmm. An inexperienced general manager comes in. Patrick Kane says, I'll go to New York. Doug Armstrong gets a deal done for a little less than what the Blackhawks were asking for, and all of a sudden, Kane is not an option for the New York Rangers, or at, the, at a decent price point, right? Yeah. Then the same thing turns around and happens to the Toronto Maple Leafs, and Doug Armstrong gets in there and gets two first-round draft picks, some other draft picks, a couple prospects to help the organization at the minor league level, right? And he gets those deals done, he makes them two weeks before the trade deadline, right? Before the bidding changes or an opportunity is lost, which is key here, right? Yeah. Or an, a trade opportunity is lost because the team makes a deal with another team, right? So, you know, all of a sudden if, if the Chicago Blackhawks wanted a first round pick from the New York Rangers, yeah, they do have one. So they could still go after Kane, right? But uh, the, the chances are a lot less likely of it because now you got to figure out cap situation too. So, um, the experience of Doug Armstrong has really shown big time here in these first couple of trades, and I think it's something that Blues fans, I think, can have some confidence in.
1: Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why people are at peace, relatively speaking. Not necessarily with the season, but that the moves. That have been made. More to come, I'm sure, between now and March 3rd. A fascinating set of days ahead, not just between now and the trade deadline, but this coming off season. Chris Kerber with us here on 101 ESPN every Tuesday. Kerbs, thanks so much for the time, as always, sir. Enjoyed the conversation. All right, fellas. Good luck with the underdogs tonight. Thank you. Uh, thank you. 20K sir. on the line. That's yep. Chris Kerber with us uh, here, live from Carolina Blues and Hurricanes. Uh, I'm tr- I'm primed now for this little piddle's sports business, business newsletter newsletter that is uh coming up yeah I, listen i want to reemphasize it and i think people know where i'm coming from with it stanley cup playoff hockey even when the blues aren't playing it is it's a dopamine hit every night you'd be flipping around it's the best man and when you get to a team that's on you know that is staving off mm. staving off elimination you've got that on the line it's it's as intense as it gets in sports from my standpoint so I hate that the Blues, barring a huge miracle, will not be a part of it this April. With that said, I truly am intrigued to see how they handle this set of circumstances because they're going to have to be active. It's just a matter of what direction they are going to be active. It is, as Chris Kerber said, a number of people have said, it is a pivotal moment in this organization's history. All right, so we are primed for the Little Piddle Sports Business Newsletter. It is coming your way next. A lot, a lot of meat on the burner a tribute to Ron Karan with the uh, sports business newsletter It is coming your way next. This is Balloon Party, driven by S. St. Louis Acura on 101 ESPN.
2: We are right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101
1: ESPN. I didn't you know, I was just kind of walking around the hallways talking to people. Just doing a radio show right here, Tim. And then I'm like, and then I walk, and then I saw the red light and I go. Huh. Oh, that's <laughs> well, who's on right now? I go, oh my, it's me. <laughs> well, you got a little debut yesterday, though.
0: Do we have that audio? I can pull it up.
1: What a wonderful, wonderful treat for the audience. When I was doing the show from my home yesterday, we had some issues with the connection. And to try to mitigate those risks today here on uh, S St. Louis Accura's Balloon Party, 101 ESPN, uh, I thought, you know what? Even though I'm not 100%, I think I'm better... Let's just come in and do it live. We'll do it live in person and and avoid something like this. St. Louis, Bloom Party here on ESPN. Tim
0: McKernan. Hello. Sorry, folks. We're just having some technical issues here on Bloom Party. You can text on in though. Uh, we will get that squared away in just a moment. 314-399-9646, And uh, we'll get Tim here.
1: <laughs> if I didn't know better, I would have thought that was Vin Scully. I mean, right. it was it was so smooth and folksy.
0: No, it's totally not someone absolutely panicking. Hello. <laughs> that's and that's what broadcasters do right. when they don't have anything is they just say hello to the that's listeners. Right.
1: Yeah. I thought they said yes, yes. Yeah, that one of my prouder moments. Oh, my God. Uh, this is the only show on the station that has audio issues. It sounds like a Transformer. I bet Jackson wet himself. That's from Merle from Oakville.
0: Yep. It's all me, baby. Uh,
1: ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are uh, fresh off of talking over with Chris Carver. I really enjoyed that conversation. I think it gives good perspective to the state of things, and uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what takes place here between now and the 3rd, and then also what direction the Blues go, and if somebody other than Barbashev goes. But it set me up. It got my mind firing for the Little Piddles Sports Business Newsletter. Ladies and gentlemen, hop on aboard Air Comfort Service, Tax line 314-399-9646. And I understand there's a mic drop, too.
0: Mm-hmm. Good one.
1: Is that right? All oh, right, yeah. so all these things are coming up here in the second half of uh, Munganas St. Louis Acura's Balloon Party. Jackson, go ahead if you would.
0: All right, so a lot in the sports business world yesterday, and uh, I'll lead it off with this. The MLB has created an economic reform committee to discuss things like spending-slash-revenue discrepancy and the current RSN situation with Bally-slash-Diamond Sports. When looking at this, what do you think was the major driving force of this committee? Do you think it was Steve Cohen's spending and the discrepancy between smaller market teams or the RSN situation, maybe both? And does this committee formation concern you only one year after the work stoppage?
1: Uh, no, I think it's good. I think because I think in a way it's proactive. Uh Although I would answer your first question by saying that it is because of more than anything else, the RSN situation. An owner spending aggressively is nothing new. An owner from New York spending aggressively is nothing new. It's just this time it's with the Mets and not George Steinbrenner. So, um, if they can tend to that somehow, there's no real way to tend to it. I see one of your questions recently was asking about a, a salary floor, but that's not going to happen because they'll want a salary cap. Right. Um, I would love it, but the Major League Baseball Players Association prides themselves on that game not having a salary cap. They view it as something that was handed down from generations before, and they're not going to be the ones to screw it up, so to speak. That's their position. For the record so with that established um i believe that what this new task force is charge is to make sure that the television situation is tended to i can't i can't overstate its importance yeah. it needs to be tended to because it infects it, well i wasn't intending to say infects, but it does it infects it impacts affected, yeah. yeah it infects and impacts multiple franchises and i love that rob manfred said uh, and I'm paraphrasing here. We have an obligation to make our game accessible to as many people as possible. And this blackout thing is just absurd. So great. Tend to it. But here's the thing. The blackout issue is one thing. Just locally, people in St. Louis can't necessarily watch the Cardinals. Yep. And it's, it's absurd. It is absurd. So good. I'm glad that they're doing it. And I, and I look forward to what I would imagine will be in the next year, maybe two, that this will be something we'll look back on and go, God, can you believe that that was the way that it was? It will seem so ridiculous. Twenty years ago, you couldn't watch every college football game. Oh. Missouri being on television was not necessarily commonplace. Furthermore, when they were in the Big 12, which was something Gary Pinkel was outspoken about with me in an interview for KMOV back when this was happening, is that there was not revenue sharing amongst the 12 teams. So the, if you were on television, you got paid. If you weren't, you didn't get paid. So guess what? The teams that were powerful at that time got stronger, and the yeah. teams that were in the basement didn't have the opportunity. And, I, hey, I wouldn't put Missouri and, you know, I don't know, Oklahoma State on at that time either. Uh, when you got Nebraska and Texas and Oklahoma and Texas A&M, I understand that, but it the opportunity to watch teams in 2023, it's its not even considered a luxury. It is an absolute necessity, and good for baseball for tending to it.
0: Yeah, I think that, um, and I'm not disagreeing with you on the importance. Oh, it sounds like
1: you're going to disagree
0: with me, but you're couching it. That's to an extent, read right now. I'm not disagreeing with the importance of the RSN situation, because that is a major, major issue, especially for these smaller market teams we're talking about. Um, but I think publicly, like, after all this RSN news has come out, this was needed. But I think there is a growing frustration within the ownerships across baseball about spending and the discrepancy in revenues. I think that that is something that they want to tend to. And I think if I had to bet, I think there would be a salary cap in the next 15, maybe 10, 15 years in Major League Baseball. And I think it's going to be a huge point of consternation with the Players Association. Well,
1: then we are going to have a monster strike.
0: Yeah. That's, and that's what I think is on the horizon.
1: Work stoppage, I should say, because it would be a lockout. Right. If they, if, they're, if they are adamant on a salary cap. I, I know some former players who listen to this program and text me, oh, yeah. and they will, I bet, will scoff at you. For saying that. May, uh, may, and by the way, I would like it if that were to be the case, too, a salary floor and a salary cap. I mean, in fantasy land, people talk, about, I'd love there to be relegation because there, there are a number of framings. Mean, the National League Central would cease to exist because everybody <laughs> get relegated. Yep. But, you know, they're not going to go, yeah, I'm fine with this, you know, investment that's now turned into being worth $2 billion, possibly being sent to, you know, A. Yeah. For a rele- relegation system, that's not going to happen. But I would love a salary floor and a salary cap. I personally would love it. I just think it's something that the Players Association, I don't I mean, we, we might not see, but we'd see 1994
0: again. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think it would be a major, major issue, but I think it's something that the ownership is, is concerned about. All right, next one. College football officials are considering rule changes to shorten games and limit the numbers of plays per games, a.k.a. exposure to players. A few changes that they are considering are letting the clock run after incomplete passes and letting the clock run after first downs until the two-minute mark, also banning consecutive timeouts, i.e. icing the kicker. Do you like these ideas? Do you think the NCAA needs to shorten football games, or what are some other ways that the NCAA can shorten those game times?
1: It's interesting to me, Jackson, that rarely – in comparison to complaints about how long baseball games are, Mm -hmm. do you hear complaints about how long college football games are? Don't get me wrong, you hear them, but I think relatively you have heard more complaints about baseball's uh, length of games. Mm -hmm. With that said, a college football game at this point is going to be closer to four hours than three. Absolutely. And a lot of it has to do with the clock stoppages. Uh, The ice and the kicker thing goes on in the NFL too, but um, yeah, I, I... totally get it i feel like half times are longer than college
0: uh, half times are that that to me is like one where you could look at and shorten that real quickly because i mean i I think from a player's perspective too they wouldn't mind it either because it's not like you're doing much in those half times except letting that lactic acid build up in your legs and you're gonna go out there stiffer so i think a like the nfl was like what 15 minutes or so i think that's the money mm -hmm. number not 20 and
1: it starts there's still some guys walking off the field when that clock starts for that 15 minutes yeah exactly um, I love college football. Whatever they can do to make it better, I don't think that this is one of the biggest issues facing the game at the particular moment. No. It's the wild, wild west with NIL. But um, if, that imp- if that improves the game and the pace of play, then great. I don't really know what is lost by doing that.
0: The after the incomplete passes would because the way that passing dominates. Oh, after college incomplete pat that 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 would be that's
1: a huge part. But yeah. as far as the clock running
0: after first downs right. that that i think is fine but after incomplete passes that completely changes the game planning around college I don't football.
1: know i don't know about that
2: part yeah, that, I agree. that
0: that that that's a, that's a that's a strategic yeah. element oh yeah that would be a major change to game planning oh, and you'd see a lot more running
1: let's uh take a break here because otherwise we're going to have a 30 second final <laughs> segment uh, and we'll uh, finish off the little piddles uh sports business newsletter plus have a mic drop for you it's all coming up with the final segment bloom party driven by Mugginess, S. St. Louis Acura on 101 ESPN
2: we're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
1: Welcome back, balloon party, driven by Mungan S. St. Louis Acura. Tim McKernan, action Jackson, with you till the top of the hour. Then you have BK and Ferrario coming away from 11 and two, leading into the fast lane action, Jackson. What do we have here? Uh, let's go first to go with Stephen Wildwood's mic drop before we go back to the Little bit, Piddles uh, sports business newsletter. Uh, what is he not happy with? Let's see here.
0: Cardinals. Oh. I mean, we still have a good ball club. I mean, you got Molina and Pujols retiring, but, you know, we're replacing them with some young players. Stop it! Why are we sitting on our hands? What have we done in the playoffs for the last past few years? Don't give me this crap about we make the playoffs every year. We haven't gotten past anything in about 10 years. I want a World Series and I want it now. How long do we have to wait? Fire, Moselech, bring back Jackety. And what's Gersh doing? Nothing. This division sucks and it's hiding all of our faults. If you don't win a World Series, DeWallet, Sell the damn team and get somebody in here who will. Tired of it. Wow. What, what what sparked this? I don't know. But there's a there's a rational take, I guess. Uh, sell so the Bill team. Would, <laughs>
1: he's sell the franchise.
0: If they don't win, I mean, he'll have some questions to answer.
1: Well, that creates a lot of drama for this upcoming <laughs> campaign. If this, this, there's going to be a sale price.
0: <laughs> yeah, unbelievable.
1: On the franchise. All right, back to the little piddles of uh, sports business newsletter. What do we have?
0: The MLB is targeting Las Vegas as a, as a location uh, with the problem child of baseball, sort of say, the Oakland Days. As someone who used to frequent Sin City and yourself, do you mm-hmm. think that an MLB team would work in Vegas, or do you think it's baseball targeting the hottest new location for a sports franchise? Do you think there are markets that would actually perform better than Vegas?
1: I think there are markets that would perform better. I think the NBA there makes all the sense yep, in the world. Agreed. The NFL is, it speaks for itself what's going on there. Um, and the NHL I mean my goodness that that's been a ridiculous success story I just don't i mean obviously to be a retractable I don't know if it'd be a
0: retractable roof might be you might dome it up
1: yeah but um I just don't know i i because I think if you go to Las Vegas, you're like, oh, and then we'll go to the Raiders game.
0: Right, exactly. It's like the perfect Sunday. Or the,
1: you know, not even a glamour team from the NBA, but so-and-so is right. in town with the... There's always a star. Right. And we'll go to that, and then we'll go out. Now, then I would ask, why has the Golden Knights franchise been so successful? Because that that isn't something that I would... I mean, NBA and NFL seem logical. NBA's not there yet. So maybe baseball would, maybe baseball would be super successful. I but your question wasn't, do I think it'll be? I think there are other markets yeah. where it would be incredibly successful, and Nashville. I just I, I, Nashville would, would be one. But I think you have a bunch, and you kind of look at cities that are growing, that are underserved sports wise, and that's what you target. I know they've talked about Portland, um, Montreal, so. I just I'm surprised on the Las Vegas thing, but maybe maybe they know something that I don't. I would I would short. It's kind of like my Tom Brady play. I'd short Tom Brady in the yeah. Fox Booth. I love Las Vegas, but I would short Las Vegas as a baseball city.
0: Yeah, agreed. I think that it the a volume of games is a is a problem for attendance because football is only eight nine dates a year, and hockey and basketball are you know forty or so. So it's a it's a whole different ball game. When you have to fill eighty times a year. Uh, with you know a summer sport in the desert. Uh, all right, and then the final one, only four four shoot. Mm, uh, with mm. the emergence of athletes starting their own podcasts or doing sideline slash studio gigs while still active in their leagues, how do you think that will trend uh, and age as we grow more and more digital? Do you think that we will soon see almost every athlete some, start some sort of media endeavor? No, my answer. I'll take care of that now. Okay, and then how you do think
1: you think Paul Goldschmidt's going? Man, I need to get myself a podcast. No,
0: no, and and. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I was talking mm, stars, and I'm saying Paul Goldschmidt isn't a star, of course. Wow,
1: wow! But I wish star- we had another hour after that comment.
0: <laughs> but stars, and I'm not saying, like Goldschmidt. Like we've always talked, is like a pure baseball game. He just wants to play baseball and get out of there. But I could see other, you know, baseball, hockey, football, basketball stars have interest.
1: I think in it. most players who reach some semblance of stardom look at the media as not only an inconvenience, but Fairly, by the way, willing to create crap about them right. for a chance to go from making $17,000 a year to seventeen five, dollars um, And so, therefore, uh, don't trust, nor do they want to interact with now. If you're talking about doing your own thing, like the Kelsey brothers, that's yeah. that's wonderful. That's outstanding. Yeah. But you got to get to a certain level of stardom in order to be able to say the crap that Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey are. If you're like, you know, on the practice squad wide receiver,
0: <laughs> <That's probably
1: laughs> and not... you're like airing out, you know, your thoughts on Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen, it probably ain't going to play well, you right. know, even right. if you're in L.A. So, um I like it, but but also it requires personality.
0: That's the that's the key. It's you, not be. everybody's
1: not every, not. Uh, here's the deal: not everybody is me, <laughs> and isn't that a shame? But it isn't it is it true?
0: Yeah, it, it it's true, and it is also a shame. I just, I think that a lot of people, a like athletes, see it as a chance to create their own narrative, tell. I I
1: couldn't get enough of that Kelsey uh, podcast following the Super Bowl. It was outstanding.
0: Really good stuff. And it's a money-making opportunity. I mean, there's a ton of huge—Kevin Durant has a media company. LeBron has a media company. Draymond Green is constantly doing stuff on TNT. Tom Brady has a media company. I think there's an opportunity there, if you are a level of stardom, to create your own narrative, make some money doing it, and kind of change the media landscape in sports a little bit. Because then, you know, the media can't run and say something. It's like, well, no, you can listen to their podcast and their words, and they say it. I agree. I think it's an interesting way to kind of turn the tables on stuff.
1: I agree with you. Yes. I agree with you. The guy literally just won the MVP. It's from the 636. Like I said, I could do another hour after you really just took Paul Goldschmidt to
0: task with that comment. Yeah. Think I could take him? <laughs>
1: uh, we will, we'll see. Maybe he's. I would imagine he's streaming from Jupiter right now. BK and Ferrari are coming up next for Action Jackson. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Manganes, St. Louis Acura's Balloon Party on 101
2: ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.